Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Esther Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation! Hello again, and welcome to a special uh, midweek episode of the show. Uh, we wanted to jump in and respond to some quick personnel news. And, and you know, we just wanted to hear y'all face your ears again, I guess. I always think of analogies at the start of the show, and they never, ever work. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I am here with Logan Jones. Logan, how's it going? I am Indiana Fever fan Logan Jones here as your uh, your special correspondent today, Steve. Uh, as a representative of the longtime Fever fan base, I'm excited to be on the Card show. Card carrying. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be a good time. Very good. I'm glad. I know it's been a very eventful several weeks in, in terms of the Fever. They're one of the most intriguing organizations to watch. Um given just them rolling out their youth structure. And now, of course, some news that we'll be diving into. Really quick, though, Logan, if you could do, everyone, uh, the solidiest of solids, uh, let's let's head over to Plug Corner, uh, give our listeners a quick insight as to where they can find us, what they can check out, opportunities galore with the program. Absolutely. I'm run that over to you. First of all, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or really any platform that involves some sort of rating system, go ahead and drop a five-star review. We'll read it on the air. We'll give you your flowers, um, call you out by name, make sure people know that you're a friend of the show. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod, where all the latest news and updates for the league can be found. Streaming, we are back. Uh, we are back on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation is where you can find the streaming channel where we will record live all of our episodes and you can be part of the conversation there. And we have a website. This is a website. Um, WNBANation.com. That's where you can find all of, all the plugs that I just mentioned. They're going to be linked there. There's also a team, uh, a team store. There's also a merch uh, tab there where you can find a bunch of cool merch. You're going to see us wearing it on the yes. screen. In coming days, I know some of you guys got, got freaking posters that look awesome. Shirts. Jason Kyle, they got back. We got dope slides. Awesome. We got big posters. We just, oh, I love our spring site. We got so much sick stuff, and it is, it's very it is high all quality. Really cool. All the slides are nice. The biggest thing um, I've been talking about is the die cut stickers. Go get you a die cut sticker. These are the best. This is the weirdest nice. plug ever. Mugs the nice. Best quality stickers. I've ever dealt with easy to install. I can't recommend the mugs yeah. enough. They just, they look super clean. You and I don't anyway, even drink coffee. I, I literally don't. Um, yeah, but it, it, it just, yeah, that's, the, that's the merch plugs. And then lastly, we, we have a new edition where it's going to start probably um, after your, it, it's going to start before you hear this episode, but it's going to be a regular thing throughout the season. We're going to be live watching games and it's not yes. going to be like the janky live watches that we've done in the past where everybody's kind of like, like you're not just going to watch us silently watching the game. And then our reactions, we're all going to be able to actually like view the game and communicate together. Like we're in a big virtual Buffalo wild wings. And I'm really excited about that. If you're, if you're like a long time stream viewer or you're a long time listener and you've never interacted with us uh, before, you're not on Twitter or something like that. Give the watch party a try. I think it's going to be a blast. It's going to be like you're in the living room with us watching tonight's game and, and games once a week in the coming season. So, that's going to be a bunch of fun. 
I'm really excited for that. Those are that's pretty much all I, I've got for the plugs. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to the show on the podcast feed, this has already happened, but or at least our first has already happened. Uh, but for future reference, when we'll be doing these watch parties, you'll want to head over to getplayback.com slash room slash WNBA Nation. Uh, of course, those links will always be sent out through our Twitter account as well. Uh, so feel free to drop in, subscribe, be a part of the fun. Should really be a good time. We're very excited about it. But but Logan, you got your hat on. Those those live on, on the Twitch know that. You got your fever hat on. There's been a big development in, in the world, the two and seven Indiana Fever are continuing to make intriguing moves. This was a team who dropped uh, quite a few general key players from their roster in the last couple off seasons, loaded up on draft picks, stayed true to those draft picks, seem to actually be working them. Even though they've only won two games out of nine, they seem like a pretty fun roster. And keep in mind, I think <clears throat> of their last five losses, four of them, three or four of them are within single digits. Single digits. Yeah, so it's so very competitive, really fun team. You can definitely tell something is in is brewing. There's a direction and a plan in mind, and it kind of just so happened that one individual was caught kind of in the middle of it, and the Fever have made that move. The Indiana Fever announced Wednesday, yesterday, as we're recording this, that head coach Marianne Stanley will no longer be holding the head coaching position. Um, she was coming out of the final year of her contract. And it seemed like that direction wasn't happening. You know, my general assumption when these things happen is probably they're looking to pick someone up sooner than later and give them a little as much time as possible to gel with this roster. Assistant coach Carlos Knox will be taking over the helm for the time being. Uh, general manager Lynn Dunn on the move said, and I quote, with this new group of players, it's time for our organization to go in a different direction. This was a difficult decision, and we wish Marianne the very best in her future. Things do seem somewhat amicable for the most part. You never know with these coaching changes and firings and things like that. But Stanley uh, seemed to be in good spirits and, and have positivity toward the organization when uh, after the fact, she said, quote, I th- want to thank the Simon family and the Fever organization for the opportunity to lead this team over the past two and a half years. I look forward to the next chapter of my basketball journey, as well as being able to spend more time with my family. Uh, so that's all what it is. Um, this team, while they haven't been chock full of wins, they're not going to be at the top of the roster. They're one of those teams that when they're on the schedule, they somehow sneak their way to the top of my viewing priorities. They're, they're fun to watch. There's a, a, the positive mojo out of the fever is really there. They seem to be a step or two short of hitting that echelon level where they're competitive toward playoff contention. And so my assumption, Logan, is this feels like a move that's geared toward we have a direction and a plan and an ethos we're moving toward, and it's time for us to start looking for the head coach who fits that groove. Um, do you agree with that sentiment? Do you completely disagree with that sentiment? And I guess in general, what is just your reaction to seeing this news? Because it did se- come seemingly out of the blue. Yeah, here's my reaction. And I, I, it did, well, let me touch on two big picture things and then we can get into things like results and, and kind of what it means for this season. Big picture thing number one, Marianne Stanley is a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Uh, Tamika Catchings is a Hall of Fame basketball player. It wasn't working. Indiana recognized that. Lynn Dunn recognized that. They hit the big red button this offseason by drafting five rookies and giving them playing time early in the year. 
and they're cleaning house. Cleaning house doesn't mean that the people in the house were poisoning the house. <laughs> like that, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that they were the source of all issues by any means. But if you're going to reset your team, and I mean like a hard reset, um, new culture, youth, new excitement around uh, the the franchise, I, I think this, to me, this didn't come out of the blue in the sense that this absolutely needed to happen. That was what I put in our group chat when I saw the news was like, all due respect to Coach Stanley, this move like needed to happen for Indiana to get to the next stage. Um, what yeah. did what did surprise me? This is thing number two, is that it happened early. Like d- doing anything in the middle of the season seems out of character for the Indiana organization. Doing it early and maybe getting a jump on like not only do we want to show what these new rookies can do. But we want as long a runway as possible to look for the right coach who's excited to come in and like infuse this locker room with some new energy. And I think they're gonna they're gonna be able to do. I mean, they're they're gonna be on the coaching search before any other team. They're they're gonna have time to kind of display. I I think it's for the first time in five or six years. I think it's kind of an enticing job in Indiana. Personally, I would want to go coach Emily Inksler and Melissa Smith and. Uh, Kelsey Mitchell, Lexi Hole, and everybody that they've got there. Um, so to, to me, this is the right time to do this. And I'm honestly pleasantly shocked that Indiana actually was willing to press that button. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's and that's where it's really been intriguing. I agree with you on the statement that this definitely was a matter of time. It's just the time that really surprised me. I really saw them as an organization, saw the fever as an organization that would say, let's try to play out the season as much as possible. At the very most, let's maybe see if we can get to the all-star break or just to a point where we can have a clean break. You're looking at a team that, and I get it, they've been on a five-game skid, but again, it's been competitive basketball. They've played uh, decently, and you know there have been a lot of games where, I mean, that they very nearly upended Chicago just the other night in a game where they looked very good start to finish. I mean, Emily Inksler had a double-double. It was, a you know, like you, you've seen really good pieces out of this. She was developing some of these young players decently well. Um, you know, Melissa Smith has had an ankle injury has been in and out, but technically is the leader for rookies in rebounds right now, and when she's been on the court, she's shown up really well. You sort of have a potential rookie to your favorite with, with Henny at this point. So like, well, at least in the top three, I'd be in my opinion, but the, the but <laughs> you're going to, you're going to get dream fans coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. So there were positives. I, yeah. Not favorite, but someone well into the discussion. And when's the last time you've really had an, a fever rookie be heavily in the discussion, maybe outside of, you know, Kelsey Mitchell did well. Tierra McCowan definitely should have been, but they just didn't let her play basketball as a rookie. Um, and so there's a lot of those positives. And I think a lot of it is to go with Lynn Dunn's cases to say, that, you know, this wasn't technically my hire. This was my move. And this is the direction we're moving the roster. Let's find someone who fits that mold. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, you never want to, like you said, laud, uh, someone losing a job. That's, that's certainly not something that we're here to do, but I think we're to say, you know, if you're asking, yeah, a lot of no, times I mean, there's a net negative feeling when a coach is fired, especially, you know, halfway into the season. And I guess fired is a really tense term here. They've tried to be very clear to say, you know, she's no longer serving as 
the head coach. They've tried to be very amical about this decision. And I wouldn't be shocked based on a couple things that came out of Marion Stanley's quote. If there wasn't some discussion of like, maybe not agreed to terms or something, but I could see a case of maybe Marion Stanley who says in her quote, like I'd like to spend more time with my family, almost kind of looking at things and saying like, listen, if you're going to do it, just do yeah, it. Yeah. Look, like, Stanley's a professional who's yeah. been in the game a long time. She knows as a professional basketball coach, you get hired and you get fired. Those are, those are the two ways you leave a job. Like there's, there's not a lot of, like there's no, yeah, there's no wiggle room in between. That's just how it works. So yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be like, because of the timing of the WNBA too, like if there were any other coaching opportunities outside of the WNBA, now would be the time to be searching for them. Now is really the last possible window you have to potentially pick up some sort of college job, uh, a job overseas, anything to that nature, because they play at a different schedule than the WNBA. So why not, you know, I'll go ahead and be as available as I can be. Maybe I get picked up by a college. I can tell them I can jump in immediately and start recruiting because I don't have the, yeah. the burden, you know, the liability of, of working with this WNBA team. So, you know, if you're going to make this move, if this is the direction you, you think you're headed in, Lyndon, go ahead and do it now. Most teams in the league over the last five years have established some sort of team identity. And for the last two seasons, at least the fever is, and I, I don't want to put this on Stanley. I don't think the team had an identity under Pokey Chapman either. You know, my feelings on coach Chapman there already, but for, for like a season or two, their identity has been, we don't play our rookies and we are the team that drafted Kaiser Gundrezic for some reason. And we have stranger things jerseys like that. We had nothing to say about what it was like to watch them play basketball. Like yeah, when it came it's... to X's and O's, there was just like nothing that defined that team. And I'm excited to see Lynn Dunn go out and find somebody that's going to infuse a team. Like they, they have talent now. And they obviously have, they have more youth than anybody in the league. And I, I'm very, you know, we're both Emily Inksler fans. We're both Destiny Henderson fans. I, I think we're both Queen Egbo fans. Like I'm a, I'm a big time believer in that being kind of a steal yeah. of the draft. They, they have, and, and then obviously Melissa Smith, who's been out of injury, like she's, she's an absolute, she's going to be in the league for a long time. They've got tons of talent. And they're, they're probably going to lose a bunch of games this year. It never helps a team to lose a coach nine games into the season. No. They're, they're going to be a little bit rudderless for a little while. Maybe they'll catch some teams on an off night, still get some wins. But they, if you think about the list of things you need to do to completely reset a team, they've, they've now, compl- I mean, they're, they've got the bingo, right? Mm-hmm. Like five draft picks, new coach, new direction. Knew everything. I mean, they've they've kind of fully washed their hands of the last five years of fever basketball, which they desperately needed to do. And I realize that it's going to be like hard to to watch a team try to like build itself out of the the basement of the league. But at, at least that's what the trajectory is now, right? Before they were just stale, and I mean, we we would come into every season kind of joking, like I don't know, maybe they'll make a free agency move, but probably not. And I'm just, I don't know. That's why I'm wearing the hat today. I'm excited for the Fever's future. I'm excited for their present. I, I try to watch every Fever game now that I can because I think a lot of their players are really exciting to watch. And I'm, I'm just happy. I'm happy that Dunn recognizes the need to, to change something. There's so often coaches just try to, to say like, Oh, well, we drafted a bunch of new players and 
they're going to, you know, give us everything we need to be a different organization. And it's like, no, you got to, you got to start in the front office. You got to start yep. in the locker room. You got to start on the, on the sideline. Like I, I'm excited to see who they go out and get that. Obviously like it's, it's not about who you fire. It's most of the time it's who you hire, but yeah. I, uh, I think that's a good job right now. No, that's the, the, the next thing I wanted to dive into is obviously the basis of this decision will always be capitalized on, well, who are you going to pick up? Like if the replacement makes sense, then yeah, you know, you, you make those moves. And I think there have been a lot of different mentalities with coaching changes over the last couple off seasons, especially this last off season where you've seen people go for names, go for splashes and to their credit, uh, some of those teams have seen, I mean, the aces, you know, under Becky Hammond look like what you would really want the aces to look like under Becky Hammond. Yeah. Um, the, the Liberty, you know, under coach Brandello, not quite clicking from what we can tell, but we'll see. There's still more basketball to be played. And then you've seen a lot of the, the homegrown, uh, kind of talent discussion. Noel Quinn in Seattle is a good example of that. Um, you have people who've worked their way up on the, you know, the assistant positions with an SNI card in Phoenix. And, you know, you, you really don't know exactly, uh, you know, for instance, if the, you know, the decision with Carlos Knox, I mean, we'll just have to see how he pulls here. I'm not sure what his pedigree is as a coach. His, I know he's, he coached, he's, he's, an San, he's coached at SDSU for, uh, for a minute. So I, I actually just looked this up. He was an assistant with the Fever 2014 to 2016, and his role was internal development. Yeah, like his he is their guy who's like here our player development guy, yeah. which makes a lot of sense. Like they just rehired him back in December, and now in February, Lynn Dunn came in, and in May they're giving him the reins at least for the rest yeah. of the season. He makes does a lot have, of sense. He does have some of my favorite. I mean, he's a. I know as a player, he's possibly the most well-known player to come out of IUPUI. Like he actually was a pretty big name at the time in the nineties. Um, I had a lot of, I think he might still hold some scoring records over there. Um, so he was an assistant there for a minute and that seemed to, to run, but man, I have to say one thing about Carlos Knox before I move on to other potential hires. Some of my absolute favorite teams uh, in terms of names only is on this dude's pedigree. This man was the assistant and interim head coach of the Indiana Alley Cats, the Pittsburgh Explosion with an X, no E, the London Lightning, uh, you know, the Dayton Jets. This guy, this guy knows how to pick them. So, you know, we've talked about how the fever maybe could stand for a rebrand and a cool name. Uh, maybe he has that pedigree. And, and for that reason alone, I think he'd be the right fit. You know, if he came in and said, like, like my pick has always been because of race in the Indiana rush. Um, but that sounds a little bit like an arena football team, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I always get into talking branding, but, you know, Knox is definitely an interesting choice as far as that's considered. Um, but um, as we jump into this, I mean, I opened up a lot of things and a lot of thoughts. But are, do you, just from your end, and, and who knows when this, my assumption is they roll out the season with Coach Knox and then they'll move more into making a formal decision as time goes. Uh, do you have immediate thoughts? You know, if you're Lynn Dunn, do you have a short list of names already in mind? I think I know one name you might immediately jump to, but I'll see if you call it out. 
I, I really, this is, this is a blind spot for me. I really don't, I don't know who the higher, and that's, that's hard for me because I am a big proponent of like, it doesn't matter if you fire a coach who's not getting it done. If you don't have like the right candidate lined up next, um, you know, we're Utah state fans. So we know all about that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and we, (laughs) I, I don't know who, who they might have their sights on. I just, I want it to be someone who can bring energy exuberance, enthusiasm, all of the E words yes. into that group because, because it is hard. Like it's hard for a group. I mean, think, those five rookies got drafted to a team that they knew was bad for the last half decade. Yeah. And they, you know, they're players who are just in the final four competing for a championship. They want to win basketball games. It's hard to go into a place where you, you know, Marianne Stanley was in the last year of her contract. The writing was kind of on the wall that she wasn't going to be around the next season anyway. Now you've got an interim head coach. I, I think you need to get someone in there who can really galvanize everyone and say, like, I'm here with you to grow with you for the long haul and win like meaningful basketball games. Mm-hmm. So in my head, they go somewhere, maybe not with loads and loads of experience, but somewhere young and exciting and fast paced. But maybe that's way off. I don't know. Do you have do you have some with you said you had a name in mind? Well, yeah, there was one name I thought I had mine, but first I think the main thing that popped out to a lot of people that may definitely happen, someone who has a pedigree already in coach as a head coach in the WNBA, but has currently over the last five seasons uh, been working among, I believe, three different NBA teams, MNBA teams is Jenny Busick. So um, was an interim head coach with the storm. Um, then I believe coached with the Monarchs for a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was head coach for the Monarchs in 2007 to 2009. Um, then stepped in 2015 to 2017 with the Storm, which, you know, the Storm won the title in 2018. They were a playoff team in 2017. That was, of course, when they picked up, um, you know, they moved on to Dan. But she, in that 2015 and 2017, she coached a rookie, Jewel Lloyd. She coached. Uh, a rookie Bree Stewart. She coached, uh, you know, you know, several different young players. So the idea of coming in and actually molding a young roster is something she's seen some elements with. Uh, she had a time as an assistant with the, the Sacramento Kings, the Dallas Mavericks, which makes, which actually is another one that really stands out in terms of, I believe she was there during, for instance, um, <laughs> I can't believe I just forgot his name. Luka Doncic uh, during, you know, his young stage, like young notable players is something that she has pedigree with and yeah. has spent the last season with the Indiana Pacers. So there's an Indiana tie there already. Um, I think that's a name that's going to get bandied about a lot. We'll see how it goes. Her WNBA uh, coaching stint wasn't as high level successful as it could have been granted with the Monarchs. That was unsavable. That was a that was a franchise that was out the door at the time she took over. The Storm were on the up as she stepped out. A new coach stepped in and they immediately won a title. So I think that there's moves there. I I really in my mind am curious if the Fever are who give Walt Hopkins a second chance as well. That's an interesting thought. You know, he's had, you know, he's been able to elevate a young team from almost no wins to, you know, near playoff contention recently. That's good history. And I, I wonder do, if yeah, they like start that. with New York. And, and by the way, I, I don't necessarily think New York is immediately out of the running as a team right now. 
But, you know, they moved on. They picked up Rondello, who definitely felt like a higher up for sure. And they feel very much like they're starting like they've been. Um, and that actually kind of could help Walt's stock, if that sounds weird, just to be like, maybe this actually makes it clear that I might have done a better job as a, the coach of Liberty than people thought. <laughs> and and also, I don't know if it's just in almost any sport I can think of. Um, Indiana and New York really, really love uh, sports pettiness. Like they love being petty. Twitter. I'm not do. just talking about the NBA, the WNBA. About. I feel like any, any, any league or any organization, even college where, where the state of New York and, and Indiana can be mixed. They always find a way to chip at each other a little bit. And that'd be a fun one for the fever to say, like, we're going to pick up Walt and he's going to take us where we want to go. Obviously when it comes to player development, that's very much, um, his bag. And we know that firsthand when we talked to him, when he was an assistant for Minnesota, he very much had that in mind. Um, and I always have to call out that, you know, we also are talking about former Utah Valley university assistant coach. So he clearly has the resume. Um, that's just a local call out for us. <laughs> but so like Busick was one, Walt was definitely a call out that made some sense. I think that there's a high roster of, potential assistant coaches across the league that could make some sense. Um, I think one other name that has been bandied about has been out of IU. Uh, Terry Morin, there are people that are saying that the fever may make a big push for Morin after Indiana's performance in the most recent NCAA tournament. They may try to make that work. I just, I don't know how you're going to pull Morin away from IU right now. I just don't know how that's... You're building a pretty good thing right now. I think in the yeah. University of Indiana is going to be a very, very good team for quite a while, in my opinion, after what we saw the last this last couple seasons. And I think she's going to be potentially in that. Uh, um, every name I could have just said just left my brain. It's like, I feel like it's midnight right now, but it's noon. Um, <laughs> no, she, she'll get a phone she, call. She'll very much be. I think she's going to very much be in that. Uh, that seed in Indiana for a while, it would be a lot to pull her away to hit up the fever. But that is a really good example of like, why not make, take the opportunity and see if it works to see if it makes sense. So, you know, we'll pull from that. The only thing I would say is I, I, I would hesitate to pull the string on doing the, the classic former player maneuver. I know a lot of teams have technically been doing that. Noel Quinn, Becky Hammond, Tanisha Wright, there's a lot of hires that have been like, let's take in these, the, you know, former players because that was the experiment they had with Tamiki catchings. I mean, if you're going to pull a former player based off player experience alone at the time, that was a slam dunk. That was, you know, I think of this is not even an NBA, uh, Comparison. It's an NFL comparison, which is around. I remember when uh, Peyton Manning retired and everyone literally saying like, why is not everyone hiring Peyton Manning as a head coach? He's like the perfect football mind. And then he didn't. And I think it's because he might possibly know uh, it's not always that simple to translate things over. And everyone wanted the catch thing to work. It didn't quite work. I would try to not say let's pull from the Indiana lineage so hard. Just get the right person. And I think it's out there. And for now, and I think another part of the reason they made the move when they did, you actually have a product that could be really interesting to some names to kind of go, ooh, this is kind of a fun crew. 
to work I, with. I really like that group. I think Melissa Smith's going to get healthy. Um, they're again, they're going to have a turbulent year in terms of wins and losses, but they're going to be one of my favorite teams to watch this year. Um, there are tons of other headlines. I wish we had time to cover today. Um, that we, uh, we do have the watch party going on tonight where hopefully we'll get on and be able to talk about some of those, but yeah, uh, I'm glad we were able to at least hop on during this little, uh, I, I saw you named it our lunch and learn, um, <laughs> little break during the day <laughs> episode in order to I cover did that just about um, you for the record. Just, oh my gosh. The, I almost didn't log on. I was like, nah, he can do it himself. Not going to, <laughs> yeah, not going to no lunch and learn. Call it lunch and learn. No, no, um, <laughs> but, no that, but really, I, I'm glad. I'm glad the league and the the people around the league and people who care about it seem to be kind of in the same boat as us. Like, I, I think they're excited for what's going on with Indiana, and honestly, a lot of the teams that were in the basement last year, they're doing some stuff. Dallas is winning games this year. The Atlanta Dream have won some games this year. Washington Mystics look like one of the better teams this year. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's muddy. The the standings are going to be muddy all season long, and yep. that's an exciting thing for us because we get to we get to cover it. You know, a couple times a week for you guys bringing all these episodes out. So yeah, and we'll I, I have to say as well, I hope uh, I am at just as intrigued to see where this puts Marianne Stanley as well. That's what we didn't have time to talk about that I wanted to ask. Because I don't think this is necessarily the end of her coaching career. I know she brought up time with family. So maybe I'm just, this is wild speculation. I have nothing back up to say, maybe she really is wanting to slow some things down at 68 and, and spend time with family. But we know the game of basketball. It, we, you've got people well into their eighties who are still burning that candle because they love coaching. And I'm intrigued to see what her next move is because I don't necessarily want to say that her stint at Indiana was just a pure and utter failure. I think she had a lot of strings tied around her, at the time. And I think she can contribute to a successful program. I just agreed with the concept that this wasn't the fit and it really wasn't. And then, um, you know, I think she has a play there. One spot I could potentially see her as an assistant in Chicago before long. She actually, uh, left records, I believe in 2008 to join the sparks assistant staff, and was there all throughout Candace Parker's rookie season. I believe her and Candace have a pretty good relationship. So that's a move that could potentially happen. I, um, I don't know if she ever wants to uh, being a head coach of a college team involves a lot more than just managing a, a roster and winning basketball games. There's the recruiting side of it and there's the fundraising side of it and dealing with donors and stuff like that. She, she's got an NCAA title. I could see a college team taking a crack at her. It's actually a really we'll, good point. We'll see. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think there's a lot uh, to play there, so I, I would hope for the best for her. But yeah, um, I just wanted to make that note. I, it, it, there's a lot of talk about this being a positive move because it is, uh, but you know, I didn't want it to necessarily be at the behest of saying, "Oh, Marianne Stanley can't coach." She clearly can. She has the pedigree. Uh, that I don't know of a person who is going to turn that Indiana Fever team two years ago into a sudden winner, um, and when the fever finally hit a successful point, I think she deserves some modicum of credit, even if it's one to 2% um, to, to say that that was there for her. So, so best of luck there, best of luck with where the fever take this. Um, I know we're right at the end of our time, Logan. I did have one more quick thing I wanted to hit. It's not necessarily a topic. I just want to say something. If you don't mind, like I'll just, this will be quick and then we can call it. Is that okay? I know we're both under a tight schedule. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah, um, I wanted to take a minute while we're on the show and just make a note. 
and I know this isn't rare. I know a lot of programs, TV shows, podcasts, probably listen to are, are talking about this. I just, I, I, I've had wanted to be on this, you know, I, I'd been very energetic this week coming and getting ready to get back into streaming. Cause I finally have a setup again. And, um, this week, it's been really hard to have the energy to come in and do this. I will say, Logan, having this hour with you has actually been really been therapeutic in a way to to just take my mind off of things. But I, I'm not alone in saying that um, everything that's come out of this tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, has really um, affected me heavily. I made this point on Twitter, and I ended up taking the tweet down because I was tired of dealing with with crazy variety backlash, but um, I remember Sandy Hook 10 years ago. I remember that day vividly. I remember crying. I remember the reaction. I remember everything about that day. Uh, and at least from where I was sitting and, and how I responded to it, it was a really, 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 really dark day for America. And it was a, it was a tough time. I was a single college student at the time. Um, I didn't have a family. Uh, it was just being able to connect and know what a terrible story that was. It's now been a decade and I'm a father. Now, some of you who are on live stream met one of my children, my son, I have a daughter and I have a son and I, and a wife and a family. And, and my perspective is totally different and it frightens me to no end. Feeling like my children were born into a world that is no safer today than it was a decade ago. That what happened uh, at Rob Elementary School and what happened at Sandy Hook were under the same spectrum of, of safety. And that obviously personally messes with my brain and destroys me. The only thing I want to say to this, because we've all heard, we've all heard Steve Kerr. We've all heard Senator Murphy. You know, we've... We've looked at tweets. We've looked at reactions. We all understand the situation that we're in here and what it means. What I will say is over this last several months, I don't think um, I'm being like crazy out there and saying there's been a lot of evidence as to why our current leadership system in, in the United States feels broken and feels frustrating. And whether that's you're someone who's concerned about gun safety in America, whether you're someone who's concerned about, um, the the protection of your body and your rights and and you know how you use that whether it's racial discord uh, whatever it is there's a lot of different things that have shown that frustration I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly what ties to make and what vote to make what I think is important to understand right now is more than ever your vote is going to count during these midterms and you need to prepare now because. There was a groundswell of votership in 2020, and it made a big difference. Your vote may be more difficult to get cast this time, depending on what state you're in. A lot of states passed legislation. Some got blocked. Some didn't. That changed the spectrum of what you're able to do, how you can qualify to register to vote, how you can physically vote, whether it's online or in person. A lot of things have switched. The time is now to prepare for that, whether you're coming up in primaries or you're waiting on the midterms later this year. You have a few months to do your research, find out where your state sits so you can get yourself ready. You may have to do more work to get your vote cast this time than two years ago, 
but your vote is that important that you need to be willing to put in a little bit of that extra effort to make sure this happens. Because right now it feels like that's about what it's going to take to get anything to shift is to find the individuals who are creating these massive obstacles into making the change that's going to keep our children alive. That's going to keep our general population alive, whether they're, uh, movie goers or supermarket goers or children at a school or church, you know, people at a church, whatever it is, anyone in the general public, that's what it may have to take is starting to move away these people whose minds have become so warped, whether to believe, uh, these ideas that harm people or are just willing to ignore common sense because of who's giving them money to keep them in office. Do the work now, do the research, find out what has to be done so that you make sure you're registered, you're ready to go and what effort you need to make. If you got to take that day off to go vote, take it. If you have to make a drive across town and stand in a long, maybe very long line versus being able to vote online, be willing to do it. It's just as important as it's ever been. That took a lot longer than I expected. I just wanted to say that because that's really what stood out to me. The call's been made. These people have shown us who they are as individuals. They've been very brazen in showing us who they are as individuals. So let's take the opportunity, secure our vote, so we can show them the exit. Because at this point, I don't know what else is actually going to make things happen. So that's it. If you didn't want to hear that type of discord, then <laughs> I guess you should have listened to a different podcast today. But. Yeah, There's what a, a fun range talking kid. basketball and meeting my kid, <laughs> we, and then we got to remember to end on a high. We we never yeah. <laughs> we remember to end on a high. There is. I, I just really quickly wanted to echo something that um, a buddy. I, I I've never met him in person, but I call I consider him a friend. Uh, Curtis, who's at from Curtis on Twitter. That's Curtis with a K. Um, hmm. He tweeted something out. A great days follow, ago by the way. If you're not, yeah, he's he's a great W follow. If you're not following him, he's very funny. Um, he tweeted out a, a, a take that I thought was relevant that I, I wanted to make sure we touched on, which is um, he said, just because people are doing some things that they would do any given day, doesn't mean the latest tragedy isn't constantly on their mind. Uh, some people can't stand to think of anything else. Others might be taking the slightest moment to enjoy something they love. I was thinking about that because I, I don't ever want people to think that as a show, we're just trying to ignore or turn a blind eye towards things that are going on in the world that are bigger than basketball. Um, but we also, I mean, there's, Tragedies happen almost every day and there's games almost every day. And as a show, we've committed to providing coverage and um, doing what we can in order to like bring W news into like your Twitter feeds and your podcast feeds and things like that. So I just, I, I, I want people to know that we are sensitive to the fact that there are other things going on. And yes. if they see tweets from us that, you know, we, this whole year we've been talking about the Brittany Griner situation. Yeah, I was about to know that. To play basketball and celebrate women's basketball in light of the Brittany Griner situation. And the fact is like we, for, for some, for some people, and I'm, I think I'm one of these people, it helps sometimes to cope it, uh, when for like a brief moment, you can, you can focus on something else mm-hmm. and, and treat a basketball game like it's just any other day. I, I realize that like long term that you, you don't want to just be ignorant all the time of the things that are going on. 
but just don't, don't, uh, try not to judge. If you, if you see stuff on Twitter from, from anybody like our show account or anybody else you follow that's about basketball on a day when there's bigger things going on, it might just be their way of handling, um, stuff. And, and it, you know, it's, it's on all of our minds, um, as Steve kind of articulated. Yeah. So. I, it, the gr- thank you for calling it the grander situation. Cause that's exactly what my brain was thinking was sometimes that's all I want to do is get on this show and talk about how much Brittany's situation has upset and scared me and worried me. And every time we sit down to talk about basketball, it feels useless in a way. Cause it's like, none of this matters. We have a life we need to save. And then after this week, it's none of this matters. We had 21 lives we could have saved and didn't. And it, it's important to understand resolve means we need to be the best prepared that we can when it's our turn to step in and fight. And if you need time to clear your brain, it doesn't mean you're ignoring something. It doesn't mean you're putting it away or not taking it seriously. If that's what you need to clear the fog out of your mind because this trauma creates that fog, that's understandable. We're here to provide that coverage um, and and be a support. But, um, you know, we're here to, to push and and do whatever we can to speak to those needs as they come and and not shy away from that as much as we can. And and we know we're just four people and there are so many voices in this WNBA community who have stronger influence and a much stronger voice and a much more appropriate voice. And we would turn to and laud them as well. Um, it's just this week freaking sucks. I I've just, it's one of those weeks of crying, like, you know, tear migraines where you've cried so much, you have a headache. It just feels like every night I doom scroll I put my kids to bed and I just think about what it would be like if one day they stepped out to go to school or to do something and for some reason they didn't make it home. I don't, I can't explain a bigger nightmare. And there you have it. Obviously, if you're listening on the live stream, we'll also be diving into the watch party. We want you to be a part of that for sure. Um, if you're listening here on the podcast, listen for more as we have some more content up and coming. Is there a way to not make us feel so cloudy and dark as we close us out, Logan? Do you have any? It's, it's a very rough transition yeah. to talk about anything else, but um, I can subscribe. with us. We enjoy so much the the friendship and community that we've become a part of um, as as we've done this show, um, and that is like the. I, I think one of the best things that we can do when, when things like this come up is kind of lean on that community. So we will continue to do so and produce content for you. And mm-hmm. the watch party is going to be a blast and the games this week are going to be a blast. And we're going to try to focus on those things as much as, as is appropriate in light of all these events. So that's uh that's all I've got. I, I got to get back to work. My job's going to get mad at me. So <laughs> yeah, I feel it. I feel you there. Well, um, Thank you so much for taking the time, Logan, to to jump in and talk about the fever situation. Uh, That all said, um, we really appreciate everyone joining us, whether it's live on Twitch, on your pod feed, wherever it is. Thank you for joining us for this episode and this uh, installment of WNBA Nation. Until we meet again, I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time. No, I'll see you later.